Hey, what up fam? It's your boy Norm, and I would like to welcome you to episode 92 of The Evangelical Norm. So this last week, I've been like entrenched in uh, hip-hop, in doing music reviews, which has been great. Um, I had a lot of fun just going back and listening to Kurt Kennedy's album again a couple of times. I'm still digging Hazakim's album. I still play the original probably about seven or eight times before I move into the rest of the, the, the album. Um, we looked at the Barsman's new album. Uh, we looked at Believe in Steven, uh, Josh Kreese's new single, and Dusty Marshall, um, who I'd never heard of. And so we had to take a look at his an album from a couple years back and some, a video that was pretty, uh, pretty powerful. And then um, this week coming up, I just picked up uh, Zeta Blacksmith's album, and I'm going to look at Dusty Mitchell's uh, newest single that he just put out. So why did I just run through all of that? So this week, I, I really want to talk about a couple of different things, but I want to tie it all together with, with what we just talked about. So... Um, we all know there was a horrible, horrible um, mass shooting in uh, New Zealand in Christchurch at a mosque. 49 people were killed. Uh, 48, some people I think, were labeled as injured. The, uh, the death toll may have gone up since then. I don't know. Um, haven't heard a whole lot about it. Again, our... Uh, our media cycle is so quick. Yeah, I mean, if this were something 10 years ago, we would be talking about it for weeks. Now it seems like two days and we're moving on to the next, uh, the next thing. But one of the things that I was looking at and struck me, uh, and, I, and what I wanted to talk about was I saw a couple of tweets uh, the last couple of days coming from Christians, from brothers, and uh, they were, like, talking about, in, in the last three months or so, uh, 140, maybe 240, I, I don't remember the number, I should have looked up the tweet specifically, but I've talked about it. There have been a whole lot of Christians, well over the 49, that were uh, murdered in this mosque, Muslims, um, triple or quintuple that number have been killed in Nigeria alone since the beginning of the year by Muslims. And so as I saw these tweets, the initial reaction was, yeah, you know, our brothers and, and sisters in Christ are being, being killed. And again, it comes back to, for me, it's always going to come back to a consistency in worldview and where we, you know, this was kind of a, I, I'm not a big fan of whataboutism. Where people are like, well, you know, the whole thing with, you know, Donald Trump and, oh, Donald Trump's an adulterer. Well, what about, and the people on the right do, what about Bill Clinton? You know, and we, we get into this, you know, Donald Trump declared the national emergency. Well, what about Obama when he did it? And these, these things, it's, you know mass shootings and Black Lives Matter, but what about Chicago? Whataboutism 
is a is a really poor uh, attitude. I guess I, I can't even think of it. It bothers me so much, but I, I so many times I find myself caught up in it myself, and and have to remind myself. Um, as I go into an, an awful Austin Powers uh, imitation here, um, that that's not gospel-centered. That is not Christian. We don't do whataboutism. As Christians, when we look at a situation like what happened in New Zealand, 49 Muslims were murdered. What does that mean? from a Christian worldview we you know we we tend to forget the gospel and we tend to forget what we believe when we get caught up in this what aboutism stuff as a Christian who believes that Jesus is the way the truth and the life and no man comes to the father but through him i have to st- i have to believe that when those 49 people were murdered in that mosque, every single one of them died and went to hell because they did not know the true Christ. They were not repentant. They did not follow Jesus. They were not saved. And that should cause us to mourn. You know, I... (laughs) This sounds weird, and, and I, it, it sounds, I'm going to sound crazy, and people are going to say I'm crazy, but here it is. I have literally daydreamed, literally had, like, in my mind, rehearsed what would I do if I were to see something go down at, like, a Walmart or, or something like that, and rehearsing in my mind the fact that I hope I have the ability and the control over my um, instinctual actions that that my instinct would be fight and not flight and that I would be one who would run towards the gunshots simply because if I'm murder if I'm murdered if I'm shot down I know where I'm gonna go but you think of People in malls, people in Walmarts, people in, even some people in churches, you know, um, we don't know where they're going. I don't know the state of their soul. I know the state of mine. I know the promise that has been given that if I repent and put my trust in Christ, that I am saved. I know that the Holy Spirit has regenerated me. I know that the that Christ has drawn me. I know for myself. I can't make that claim for anyone else. I mean, I have a, a security team of men at our church that I have talked to individually each one and I'm I'm confident in their salvation. Because I've asked these men to put themselves between a bullet and the congregation. But even in the conversation with these guys and the confidence that I hold, I truly don't know. It's only God and them that knows if they truly are saved. You know, Jesus tells us in, in Matthew uh, 
Matthew 7, 24, I believe, um, 23 and 24, that in that day, there will be many who come and say, Lord, Lord, did we not do these things in your name? And they'll say, depart from me, you workers of iniquity, I never knew you. So we know scripturally that there are even Christians who think they're Christians that are not Christians, who are not saved. Rabbit trail there. But ultimately, as, as a believer, I have to absolutely be grieved at the thought of 49 Muslims being murdered and breathing their last breath in this, uh, on this realm and entering into the judgment of Christ where they will be separated, the sheep from the goats, and they will be cast into the lake of fire. And my brothers and sisters in Nigeria, my Christian brothers and sisters who are being persecuted and murdered for their faith, I'm hoping that those people are set, truly saved and that I will see them, that they will be part of that, that great multitude that uh, lost their lives um, and who are given a white robe and cry out from under the altar, when will we be avenged, Lord? And uh, that those people will be that. And so I should not, as a Christian, ever, ever play whataboutism between... Christian persecution and Muslims being murdered because I should honestly be more grieved by the Muslims being murdered and going to hell than I should be when my brothers and sisters are absent from the body and present with the Lord. So as I read that and I saw that and again this whataboutism led me into Again, thinking about, and I had a conversation at church this morning about it with one of the ladies at church, just about this whole um, split, and that's the best word I can think of for it. I, I want to say schism, but I hate that word for some reason. I just don't like it. Um, but this split that is seemingly happening in evangelicalism along color lines. And we talked about it a little bit. We talked about, you know, the transatlantic slave trade. And yes, there were people in the church who were involved in that. But when we go back to the beginning of slavery, it wasn't the church. It wasn't Christians. It wasn't even white people that went in and like invaded Africa and started selling these people as slaves. It was Africans conquering other tribes in Africa and then selling them off as slaves. And then we see Islam becoming in, involved in that, in the slave trade. And then we see the church becoming involved in it as well. But ultimately, it was the church that put an end to slavery. Slavery. Did I just say slavery? Slavery. It was the church that put an end to it. The church was where the abolitionists came from. And thinking about that and, you know, the whole issue of whether or not my grandparents were complicit in Martin Luther King's death and the expectation of repentance from white evangelicals for things that happened that we are not responsible for. I can 
I can look back and I can grieve over the things that my ancestors did, my white ancestors did, in the name of racism and so on. And I'm sure I don't know who they are. I'd have to ask my, my Mormon relatives who do all the genealogy to find the white supremacists and the, the racists and the slave owners in our, uh, in our genealogy. I'm sure they're there. But I'm not responsible for that. I can grieve for that, and I truly do. I grieve to see the things that have happened. But I should not be ever expected by a brother to repent for something that my ancestors did. Just as I would never expect my brother, my black brother, to repent for anything his ancestors did. It's this whole issue of Jesus says there is therefore no condemnation for those who are in Christ. And when you look at the woke church, they are heaping condemnation on their Christian brothers who are white evangelicals. And that's not the gospel. That's not Christian. That is wrong. And I've held off on talking about this for a long time. And, and I don't know why it, it came up so emotionally today, but it did. And maybe it's just the fact that I've been listening to these albums. And I mean, you, you hear this stuff when you listen to, especially Kurt Kennedy's album, The Appendix. Because, I mean, Kurt doesn't, he doesn't hold anything back. You know, he, he, has, he has some stuff that is absolutely convicting for the church. <clears throat> White evangelicals, there's stuff that's absolutely convicting for the woke church. There is stuff that is convicting for unbelievers, especially in C4. You know, and the appendix just carried that on. And then, you know, listening to, to Hazakim, these brothers are, are of, you know, they've got Jewish descent. I want to say that they've got, I've, I've read the article, I don't know, all the, the different ethnicities that, that, that Tony and Mike have, but I mean, these are brothers who we would consider people of color. And then I hit, you know, Stephen Brindle, and, and this is one of my white brothers. And then we got the Barsman, which has all kinds of mixture of, of Latino and uh, black guys and white guys. And, um, I was, you know, Jackie Hill Perry is like the only female rapper that I can think of. We, we need to get some more sisters in, in the rap game, uh, reformed rap. Um, total sidebar, if anybody knows some good female rappers, I'd love to listen to them. Um, but again, a whole mixture of, of different races and ethnicities in the Barsman album itself. And then I hit, you know, I got to Josh Kreese, who's Canadian, I'm sorry. I love you, John. I don't know why I feel like I can just joke, do the, the, the dude rude jokes with Josh more than I do with, with other guys um, in uh, reform bars and stuff like that. Except for Jaron Rice. I pick on him a lot, too. But he brought it on himself. He, I begged for people to go start going the dozens on him, and we were snapping back and forth. But, again, total rabbit trail. Reviewed Josh Kreese, a, a white rapper from Canada. And then I hit Dust, Dusty Marshall, uh, you know, white rapper from Arizona. And yeah, but again, looking at this is where there is like some absolute unity. 
in the people that I just talked about, and there are a few people who are, you know, in the reformed hip hop world that are woke. And and I not as outright as some of the others that I've seen. Um, but there's a little condemnation that comes from, from some of these brothers and uh, not horrible, not, not anything to the point that I look at it and go, I'm, I'm, I'm feeling like you're condemning me um, personally, where I do feel that in some other realms, even though it doesn't, it's not specifically geared towards me. I feel that from some of the other guys that have in the, the woke church movement. So, but as I'm looking at hip hop and, and reformed hip hop and, and these guys that I've been looking at and, you know, I feel this unity that used to be, um, what I felt in the church. I mean, even five years ago, I would never think that there would be this wedge between Thabiti Anyabwile and James White, or between even between you know Vody Balcom and um, Ligon Duncan, you know where and and that's not a huge chasm there, um, but again they seem to be on opposite sides of of this issue, and uh, but I feel is I mean just. As I went through this hip hop, and as I'm looking at the guys in Reform Bars and and Wrath and Grace Radio, these different social media groups that I'm part of, Christian hip hop, um, I feel that unity that we used to have um, in the church, and I I I'm appreciating that, you know, and uh, even even in the fact that I mean that it feels like there are some brothers that used to be real active in there that have kind of fell off a little bit. Uh, don't see Ivy as much on social media anymore. I know he's busy doing some touring and stuff like that. And I don't know if it's just that Facebook is doing their shadow ban thing or whatever. But I just don't see it. But it, again, even in the few little conversations or or hit-ups on, on social media between Ivy and I, I still feel that unity. And uh, again, it's a, it's a situation where we don't ignore the past. No one is saying that we just absolutely gloss over and pretend slavery didn't happen because of the gospel or pretend Jim Crow didn't happen because of the gospel or, or any of the other you know civil rights atrocities or anything like that didn't happen because we have the gospel. But what we're saying and what I'm saying, I'm not... I, I don't want to put myself on a side, but obviously I fall on one. What I'm saying is we can have the dialogue, we can have the discussion, but we need to lose the condemnation. When, when I see people, you know, brothers start talking about white evangelicalism, I have a, I have a problem with that because I don't consider myself part of white evangelicalism. I consider myself part of the body of Christ and the whiteness of my library or that my podcast list or anything else doesn't affect that or whether or not I'm willing to repent for what my ancestors did 
doesn't change what part of the body of Christ I'm in. And to see that, that split that is happening is heartbreaking. It truly, truly is heartbreaking. And I'm hoping that as we continue on and hip-hop, Christian hip-hop, Reformed hip-hop, continues to move forward and, and more and more albums are released, I'm hoping that we can somehow get back to that um, unity that we once had along racial lines. You know, I'm hoping that we can get back to the point that I don't dread waiting to see what some of the, the guys that I have absolute huge amounts of respect for what they're going to tweet and how that tweet is pointed towards me, you know, and, and, and again, I'll name the guys that, that I think of when I, when I see this, when I'm talking about this. And, and again, it's because of the respect that I have for them. It's because of the respect that I have for Eric Mason. It's because of the respect that I have for Thabiti Anyabwile. It's because of the respect I have for Jovan McKenzie and Propaganda and Jackie Hill Perry. And, you know, these guys that every once in a while, and it's not all the time, but every once in a while there just comes a tweet that I feel like is jabbing at me. And I feel like there's this condemnation that's being dropped and, and hitting me and, and not saying that the conversation shouldn't be had, but the condemnation needs to stop on both sides, on both sides. And I'm not saying that the people on the side of white evangelicalism are innocent of lobbying, you know, grenades to the other, the other side, you know. Comments coming from people, and I, and I, you know, I don't, don't know who specifically made a comment like to say that they're not preaching the full gospel when they're caught up in in social justice. But I know I've heard that, and so, but again, there are brothers on the white evangelical side that I have great respect for. That even on that side, I cringe. When I see new tweets pop up because I'm wondering what grenades they're lobbying back to the other side. Guys like James White and, you know, David Wood and, um, I can't think of any, I can't think of the other people who are, are really kind of, but those guys. So, um, what's the whole point? I, I feel myself leaning back on my my brothers who are the CHH artists for the um, what's the word that I'm looking for the reassurance that this may not be the huge split in the church that a lot of people think it's going to be because I still see brothers who are white, black, Latino, Asian. I don't know any Asian rappers. I'm sure they're out there. Um, <laughs> but yeah, so 
these guys that are are still completely united in the message that they're bringing and sharing you know through their music through their podcasts through um, their preaching of the gospel and so I'm really as I was thinking about it as we move on in reformed uh, reformed circles and reformed theology um, reformed churches hip hop Christian hip hop reformed hip hop is going to be the soundtrack of that I firmly believe that and that, and it's been encouraging to me to just listen to these albums this last week as I as I went through and um, reviewed these and put them out on my podcast to to, you know, to give some props to those guys and encourage people to go out and support Christian hip hop, buy albums, um, you know, do what we used to do back in the day and quit streaming crap. I mean, I understand that it, it's a cheap way to get good music and sometimes we can't afford it, but if you can't drop ten dollars, drop, I mean, if you hit Bandcamp, sometimes these guys are throwing this stuff for free, you know, Ivy consistently comes back to Bandcamp and says, hey, I'm giving away this album for free all week. I'm giving away this album for free. I'm giving away, and you can pick up, generally you can pick up Ivy's entire catalog and he'll give it away for free and I'm just encouraging brothers to go and say, here, you're giving it for free. I want to donate three bucks, which Bandcamp lets you do. You know, Bandcamp, it sets it up like today, Zay, uh, I believe it was seven bucks um, for Zay the Blacksmith's album. I'm pretty sure I got it through Bandcamp. But you can give more. You can, um, you know, they let the guy set a price, and then you can pay that price or you can pay more. Um, I encourage brothers, if you can, pay more. If someone's giving their album or selling their album for 7 bucks on, on Bandcamp, give 10 You know, bless these guys. And, and so they can continue to do and continue to be the, the soundtrack of Reformed theology and biblical theology and lyrical theology as we move forward as the body of Christ. These guys are absolutely glorifying God through their gifts and their talents. You know, and again, deep inside, every single one of them would like to be famous and be as well I, I hate to use the word famous but as well known as Lecrae is and as well known as you know Chance the Rapper or any of these other guys that are out there they'd be lying if they didn't but the truth is above that is just their desire to give good lyrical theology to glorify God to make sure the gospel is preached and then after all of that, maybe if somehow they blow up, that they continue to glorify God in that. And not as Shy said on, on the Still Jesus album in reference to the whole rift between uh, most of CHH and Reach Records, that they crossed over without taking the crossover. And so couple of things we got to do for, for, for these guys, and I'm going to wrap it up with this. 
one, we got we got to be praying that the church can come back together. That that reformed brothers on both sides of this riff can come back together. Um, the the condemnation can die, and we can extend grace to one another, and then we can begin to have a conversation on what it looks like. I mean, I'm not a guy that, that believes in, in reparations. Sorry, I just don't. Um, you know, I, I think that that's a topic for another day. We're, I'm not going to get into that. But I'm not a, an absolute believer in absolute reparations for everybody. I think you can look at some situations and find where it would be just to give something to somebody. But... Um, I'm not a believer in, in reparations, but I am a believer in reconciliation. Um, I'm not a believer in repenting for something that I did not do, but I am a believer in grieving for those things. So we need to be praying that, that we can somehow find a way to have this conversation where the gospel is central, where grace is extended, and where God is glorified. And then be pray well. Be praying for our persecuted brothers and sisters around the world. Pray that the gospel is is, is put forth. Um, that in these heavily Muslim areas, pray for for preachers that are bold, that are willing to lay down their life in these communities to go and to share the gospel to see Muslims saved. So that the next time some crazy, out of their mind stupid white supremacist decides to go shoot up a mosque or something else, which unfortunately, the sad thing is that it's going to happen. That there will be less Muslims there because they've been saved and, and come into a Christian church. And doesn't mean they're safe because some stupid white supremacist or just crazy dude is bound to go shoot up a church. They can come into a church and get shot up by Muslims. Depending on the area that they're in. We've seen it happen over and over and over again in Nigeria. Fulani militants, Boko Haram, all of these groups in these areas that are, are murdering Christians. So sharing the gospel with them doesn't guarantee they're not going to be murdered in an act of religious persecution or whatever racism. But what it does is it, it changes the outcome of where they're going to go after that murder happens. So we need to be praying for more missionaries, for more preachers in these communities, and then pray for these guys that are, are making good music, lyrical theology, and holding together some semblance of, of unity um, in, in the Reformed Church. We'll call it that. Pray for these guys that are, are, are making music and glorifying God using their talent. Because I truly believe that this is true, really the soundtrack of, of Reformed theology as we go forward. I was encouraged. I watched finally watched the movie Calvinist tonight, and uh, the fact that results uh, reformed thug life is the 
the t last song at the end of the movie. So encouraging. So, there you have it, guys. Kind of just a, a rant today. I hope it was helpful. I hope it blessed you. I hope it didn't tick you off. If it did, hit me up in the comments. Hit me up on Twitter. DM me. Whatever. Um, hit me up on Twitter. I'll give you my phone number. We can have a one-to-one -one conversation, which I would much rather have than a back-and-forth and 140 or 280 characters or less um, conversation. So, there, there you go. I hope you were blessed by this week's episode. As always, preach the gospel at all times. Use words. They are necessary. And until next week, Soli Deo Gloria.